you thought I was going to dance, you were sadly mistaken. But if someone wants to, they're more than welcome. Okay, so the first question has to be, uh, why that song? Why that music? Um, well, I like it, number one. Uh, but, but actually, there's a reason by, behind that. Uh, th- that's a group called Alturas. They're from uh, uh, Bolivia. So they play kind of a salsa type uh, uh, music. Uh, a while back, I was, uh, was, oh yeah, kids, you can go downstairs. Someday I'm going to remember that right off the bat. Uh, I was uh, in my office and, and actually uh, updating my phone or, or uh, uh, what do you do when you stick your phone to your computer, save the, I forget the term. Yeah, doing it, the iCloud thing, whatever. Anyway, uh, so the iTunes came up and I saw, the, I saw this, uh, this group on my, uh, uh, on my computer, so I started listening to the songs. Um, and here's the story behind that. Oh, Rita's mom used to live in... Uh, in Southern California, just south of LA. And so we'd go out and visit her several times during the year, usually for a weekend, sometimes we'd go in the summer for a week. But whenever we'd go on a weekend, we had kind of a tradition. We'd usually go Thursday night, and, uh, and on Friday, we would go to Disneyland. Well, now actually, we didn't go to Disneyland, we went to Disney Walk. Uh, if Disneyland is the happiest place on earth, Disney Walk is the happiest place on earth for people who love to shop. It's not my happy place, just in case you were wondering. But, but we would go to the Disney Walk. It was free, so that was, I did uh, appreciate that. We'd go to the Disney Walk and Rita would shop. So the very first time we went there, I, I uh, man, I hung in there and I was really proud of myself. I went to shops with her and I, I walked around while, while she shopped and I hung in there, I'm guessing seven, eight minutes. Uh, and finally I said, honey, is it okay if I just go start walking around? So, so I left and just started walking around, you know, people watching and, and such. Uh, and, and in the Disney Walk area, they've got a bunch of different musicians that, that are there to entertain people like me who didn't want to shop. And one of them was this group, Alturas. They were at the very end of the Disney Walk between Rainforest Cafe and uh, ESP, ESP and Zote. And, uh, and they were playing their music. So every time we went back to California, we'd go to Disney Walk. Rita would head to the shops. I would sit and listen to this group play. Uh, bought one of their CDs, obviously. So whenever I hear that music, when I, when I found that again the other day and, and played one of their songs, or actually played that song, uh, it caused me to remember. I, 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 remembered, I, I remembered my mother-in-law, and that's a good thing. I had a great mother-in-law, God, God rest her soul. She was, she was a blessed lady, a, a follower of Christ, and the sweetest lady you'd want to meet. So, so I, remembered, uh, I remembered my mother-in-law. I would remember our trips to California. We had many of them. Uh, trips to the beach, Reed and I, and also with our, our kids. Trips up to, uh, uh, to Big Bear and, and sightseeing. A couple trips over to Catalina Island. So when I, when I heard that song, I, I remembered. I remembered. In our house, we have, going up our stairs, we have pictures of our four kids on their wedding day. So, so whenever you walk up, you can kind of glance at those, and occasionally, most times I don't really notice, but occasionally I'll stop and, and look at those pictures, and I remember those happy, th- those happy days, the day they were, were, were married, and, and God blessed them all with great spouses, and, and, and th- that fun day of giving my, my daughter away, and, and being there for, to, to, to wed my, uh, uh, perform the ceremony for my sons, and, and the celebrations and all that, and, and I look at that, and I remember, you probably in your homes have pictures that when you see them, it causes you to remember. Or maybe you have souvenirs or mementos or, or certain things when you see them. Maybe you stop and pick it up and, and you pause for a second and it causes you to remember. 
We see even in Scripture that God was very big in doing things to help us remember. Uh, when uh, Israel crossed the Jordan River, we, I think the first Sunday I preached here, we taught, uh, I preached from Joshua chapter 1. Right after that, they crossed into the Promised Land. And when they did that, God had one representative from each of the 12 tribes pick up a stone in the middle of the Jordan. And when they got over on the other side to, to, to make a big pile of these stones, so that whenever their kids would see that pile of stones, they'd ask Dad, hey, what's that represent? Why are those stones piled there? And they would remember. Well, on this day, God gave us great victory. We, we crossed the, the Jordan River on uh, dry land. And in fact, a little bit later after the service, we'll have a, a, a service where Jesus said, do this in remembrance. We'll take the cup and we'll take the, the bread and, and we'll remember. We'll, we'll remember... The, the sacrifice, the cross, but we'll also remember the victory that Jesus won. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells the church at Ephesus and the, the outlying churches that would have also read this, this letter, and then also us, since uh, it's intended for us as well, Paul told, told us to remember. But it's not exactly what you would think. He didn't say, remember the day you accepted Christ, remember that, that time when many came to know me and were baptized. He didn't say, remember that time when the Holy Spirit moved in great power. Instead, he told them to remember something else. If you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 2 today. We're going to read verses 11, or look at verses 11 to 22. I'm not going to read all of them right now, but 11 uh, to 22 will be the section. So 11 to the end of the chapter. Let's read, uh, start with just a couple of the, the verses in chapter 2, 11 and 12. This is what he says, therefore, now always... Remember, when Scripture, when you see the word therefore, to, it's pointing backwards. So he's pointing back to verses 1 to 10, or if you want, he's really pointing back to chapter 1 and chapter 2, verses 1 and 10, where Paul has talked about being saved by grace. Paul has talked about that we, uh, uh, that we are holy and blameless in his sight, that, that we are heirs to the promise. That's what he's talking about. So, so he says this, therefore, remember, remember. That formerly you you are that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that is done in the body by the hands of men. Remember, he says it again here. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now stop and think about that. He says. Remember. Now, when I remember, I like to remember good stuff. I like to remember, you know, positive things. Uh, and Paul here says to remember something else. In essence, what he's saying, uh, they would have taken it this way. They would, have, they would have caught the connotation. Paul was being kind of blunt here. They would have understood. Paul was saying, remember when they called you names. R remember when, when the Jews called you names. Isn't that what it says there? R remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by the circumcision. In other words, the Jews would have called the Gentiles, that was the ones at Ephesus, that would be us, the Jews would have called them uncircumcised. Now, and really what they were saying by that is you don't belong. We're over here, we're part of God's family, we're part of the heirs, we're, we're, we're not adopted, we were born into the family, and you are uncircumcised. You do not belong. That's really what they were saying. They were calling them names. You don't belong. When I, when I was uh, about six years old, I, uh, I was, was asked by my mom if I'd go find my sister, Cindy. Cindy was a year older than me, or a little bit over, a year and a half older than me. 
said, would you go find Cindy? I don't know why. Probably it was supper time or something. And, and she said, I think she's across the, the alley at the Bechtel. So, so I crossed the alley, went over to the Bechtel's, and, and we had a bunch of houses around us. We just walked in each other's house, so I didn't knock. I just walked in and, and yelled, Cindy, are you here? Because I didn't see anyone. Didn't hear anything. Cindy, are you here? I didn't see her, and I, I turned and just got ready to leave when I, I heard a crunching sound and giggles. And it was coming from behind the couch. So I, I, I walked over and crawled up on the couch and looked over the couch, and there sat my sister Cindy and Frank, Frank Bechtel, who lived at the house. He was also uh, Cindy's age. They were both seven. There they sat behind the, the couch eating potato chips. Now, I loved potato chips. Now, we, we grew up, I always tell readers, we grew up poor, and uh, we, we never had potato chips. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm being serious. We, we just, you, you know, when you're poor, you don't spend money on that kind of stuff. So I hardly ever had potato chips, and they're eating potato chips. And I remember I looked down at them and said, can I have a chip? And I don't know which one of, a, one of them that said this was, but one of them replied back, they're stale. I was pretty, even back then, I was pretty quick on my feet. And so my response was, I love stale potato chips. Now, I didn't really like stale potato chips, but a stale potato, agree here, a stale potato, a stale potato chip is better than no potato chip at all. So, so I said, I love stale potato chips. And then they said the words that just crushed me. One of them responded with this, well, you have to be seven to eat stale potato chips. I crawled down from the couch and dejectedly walked away. Now, when I remember that story, it still just kind of hurts a little bit. Um, I don't know what bothers me more, that I didn't get to eat chips, or that I was so stupid that I bought the, you have to be seven to eat stale potato chips line. But, but the reality was, I walked away dejected because I realized I didn't belong to the old enough to eat stale potato chip club. I wasn't old enough to eat that. I didn't belong. Maybe, maybe there's times when you feel like you don't belong. Maybe there's times at work where for whatever reason you just don't fit in, you don't feel like you belong. Maybe there's, there's times you're with groups of friends and you're the odd person out or, or maybe the, their direction is one way and yours is another and you just don't feel like you belong. Maybe even for some of you, it might be in your families that you just don't feel like you belong. God forbid that that in this church, maybe there's times where you just feel like, man, I don't belong here. Or even with your relationship with God, there may be times where you look at God and you say, well, man, I guess I, I really don't belong. Well, I've got some good news for you. We're going to look at it a little bit later on here. Uh, but, but here's the reality is we do belong. Now, look at verse 12. And we're going to try to figure out what Paul, why Paul is doing, uh, doing this. But notice what he said in verse 12. In verse 11, he said, hey, they called you names. You uncircumcised. They called him names. Look what he said in verse 12. Just in case they didn't get this, they didn't understand what he meant. Look at verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now, now it's kind of opposite of what we thought Paul would say. You would think Paul would say, hey, remember all this good stuff. Instead, he says, remember back when you didn't belong. Why? Why did Paul start this section and encourage them to remember back the way they were? Why did he ask them to remember who they were? 
I like to remember good things, vacations, weddings, good friends, not root canals, broken bones, disappointments, four-wheeler accidents, hospital stays. I don't want to remember that. But what we have to do is understand Paul's, in, uh, Paul's encouragement to them here to remember. We have to understand it in context. And we have to understand that what he's doing is contrasting who they were with where they found themselves at this time. We're, we're, we're contrasting what we just learned in chapter 1 and the first half of chapter 2 when he's talked about that, that, uh, that, that they were, were heirs to the promise. He's taught that they were saved by, by grace. Uh, he's taught that they were pure and holy and, uh, and blameless. All this stuff. So it's in that context and in the verses we're going to see here in a little bit that follow this, it's within that context that Paul contrasts who they thought they used to be, what their life used to be like, with where they are at this point, this, this time. It's so that we can see his power. See, when we look back, and when Paul asked them to look back where they used to be, what used to be their lives, to, to where they are now, they can see the power of Christ in their lives. Years ago, we took a vacation to Colorado, and we drove up Pikes Peak. I've got several stories from that, but... But we got on top of Pikes Peak, and have any of you ever been there or similar places? Oh, you get up there, and I remember it was amazing. It's the first time I'd been that high, and, and, and you looked out to the east, and you saw the plains of Kansas as far as you could see, and to the west, all the different mountain peaks that you were looking down on. Just, I mean, it, it, words almost would not describe the beauty of that. And, but I remember being overcome with the sensation of, man, I couldn't have got here on my own. I had to have some help. Now, now, the truth is, people do climb mountains, not me. There, there's actually a race that runs up Pike Peak. I'm not going to sign up for that. The only way I'm going to get to that place, to that, uh, that peak, to that area of beauty, is with someone else's power. In that case, it was my car. I'm not going to climb up there. I'm not going to walk up there. I'm certainly not going to run up there. It takes some other power to get me there. Paul says, look back where you were. See who you used to be. And when you do, you realize the power that God had in your life. It also causes us to give praise. Boy, when we understand and contrast where we are at the present versus where we used to be, where we, when we didn't belong, when we didn't have hope, when we didn't have, have a promise, when we contrast that with that, man, we cannot help. We cannot help but give praise to God. And I really think there's another reason that Paul points this out. Paul says, remember who you were. Remember your past. Remember the, the pain. Remember the, the, the fact that you didn't belong. I, I think in, in part, it's a reminder for us to watch out. See, we have to watch out because Satan will tell us lies. See, Satan wants to distort, distort the truth. He wants to distort the truth of our past and, and, and make it our present. Even though we may have been dealt with it, even though God has touched us and forgiven us and given us grace and hope and mercy, Satan always wants to distort that and take our past and make it our, our present. He distorts and corrupts God's truth if he can keep us trapped, if he can keep us trapped in our past. So I think Paul says to the church there, sandwiched between verses of grace and mercy and love, grace and mercy and love, he sandwiches that in between to say, remember 
where you used to be, but don't let Satan, don't let Satan tell you that's where you are now. Some of you, uh, some of you know my story, possibly. Uh, I spoke four or five years ago, six years ago, something like that, uh, at a men's group here down in the, the basement and told my, my story. My, my story is a story of, uh, of pain and, uh, and hurt and, and sin and struggle. Um, see, my story, and I, I, I uh, Reed and I struggle to share this story sometimes, but the reality is our story, and it's where God has taken us and God has, has uh, used us and moved us. See, my, uh, my story was one of failure. Uh, I, I struggled since I was 15 years old with pornography. On up through my marriage and years in ministry, I struggled with that. Uh, and, and the lie that Satan kept telling me over and over and over again was defeat, regret, failure, shame. No way you're going to win this battle. Uh, another line he told me was, well, you're the only one. Don't you realize that? You're the only one. You can't share that with anyone because you're the only one struggling with this. And, and, and I bought into the, the lies and the distortions and the corruptions of, of Satan. But the truth is, Paul calls us to remember not so that we see our past and, and we're stuck there, but to remember that God can take us from where we were to where we are and where he wants us to be. The most powerful words possibly in the whole book of Ephesians come next. In verse 13, look there what it says. But now. But now. Remember where you used to be. Remember the pain and the shame and the failure and the regret. But now. See, the truth is, some of you have stories. Maybe they're similar to mine. Maybe they're nowhere near mine. But some of you have stories. We, we could come up here and share those stories one by one. And, and, and you might end up saying, yeah, but I, I keep thinking that I'm a failure. I keep thinking that I have these regrets. And Satan keeps reminding me of the mistakes I make and how, how I messed up and how I can't. No, no. God says, but now. See, that's who you used to be. That's, that's where Satan wants to keep you. That's where he wants you to stay. He wants to remind you of that so you stay there. Paul says, I want to remind you of that so that you realize where you used to be so you can understand where you are now. But now, look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. For he himself, verse 14, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law and its commandments and its regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, from, from the Israelites to the, the Gentile, bringing them together into one man, thus making peace, and, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. But now. He says, remember who you are. Don't just remember who you were, but remember who you are. 
See, what I can remember now, what I can hear now is I can hear you're forgiven. I can hear you're covered by my grace. I can hear you have victory. I can hear you're restored, you're redeemed. I can hear I have joy, the joy of your salvation. I can hear sin no longer has hold on you. See, Paul has been saying in the first couple chapters of, uh, of Ephesians, Paul's been telling us who God sees us to be. Now, let me just throw a couple of those words out or several of those words that Paul points out. So far in chapter 1 and 2, Paul has said this. This is how he's described who we are now. He's called us saints, faithful, chosen, holy, blameless, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, alive, saved, raised up, raised up, and citizen. That's what Paul has been calling us is because of who we are now. But now, this is who you are. And what's the reason? He wants us to understand that because we are in Christ. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus. See, it's because of Christ and it's because of His blood. Through His blood. It's not what you've done. It's not what you can do. You're saved by His grace and the power of Jesus through His blood. There's an old hymn, Lead Me to Calvary, that says this, Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. See, really what he's saying there, it's who he is and what he did. There's no sin that's too great. There's no failure too large. There's no disappointment too big that God's grace can't cover it. And the result of that, the result of where we are now, is we have access. Did you catch that? Look over up. Uh, look over verse 18, 18. For through him we both have access to the Father. Through the blood of Christ, through what he did, we have access. It, it's been, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, our youngest son, Caleb, was home for college for the summer. Uh, we had a youth minister there at Rushville that was a part-time youth minister that was staying with us during the summer. He was a student at Manhattan. Uh, his name was Matt. And, and one afternoon, Matt and Caleb decided they'd go to a Royals game. So they left early. They got almost uh, to the Royals Stadium, and they stopped uh, on Front Street. Uh, some of you might be familiar with Kansas City. Oh, 435 and Front Street, there's a quick trip. And they stopped at the quick trip, and they did what their cheap dad had taught him to do. You go into quick trip, and you buy hot dogs and you take hot dogs into the game. Unless it's buck night, hot dogs at Quick Trip were only a dollar, a lot cheaper than the ball game. So Matt and Kata both stopped. They both got two hot dogs. So when they, they got their tickets and walked into Royal Stadium, they both had a hot dog, uh, two hot dogs, one in each pocket as they walked in the stadium. They, they got in, they weren't in, about, about 15, 20 steps in the stadium, and a guy in a suit comes walking across the concourse at them. And, and he, he, they knew that he was coming towards them. He was looking right at them, and their first thought was, even though we had done it, and you can take food in Royal Stadium. I didn't teach them anything wrong. Uh, but their first thought was, man, we're busted. We aren't supposed to have the hot dogs in our pockets. But the guy comes up, and he being just talking to him. and said, oh, you guys, you going to enjoy the game tonight? Yeah, yeah. I said, well, he said, where's your tickets? And they said, well, we're sitting up in the, uh, I don't think then it was high V section, but basically up in the cheap seats. And the guy said, well, how would you like to have some better seats? They're like, sure. He said, follow me. He walked him over to, and I should have went to the game with my son that night. He walked him over, over to, uh, to an elevator, and they took an elevator, not up, where their seats would have been, but down. And when the elevator opened up, they were down below, 
in, in the, the bowels of the stadium. It opened up into a room that was full of a buffet. The, the guy basically handed him a ticket and said, guys, tonight you're going to sit in the crown seats. You know when you watch a Royals game and you see those people right behind home, those rich snobs that can afford those tickets? Any of you guys rich snobs that afford those? Okay, Whew, probably should have been careful there. But uh, those seats where you, and if you watch close, in between any, sometimes you can see someone walking through there taking their orders. That's a seat. The guy gave them seats there. But they walk in. Before you get those seats, there's a buffet. And on this buffet, there was lemon pepper chicken, and there was, was ribs, and, and there was lasagna, and pasta, and all kinds of side dishes, and salads, and a whole table full of desserts. And the guy said, this is all yours. It's all free. You know the first thing they did? They went to the bathroom. They took the hot dogs out of their pockets and threw them away because they dined on fine food that night. And then they went and took their seats. And, and I said, every inning, a lady would come out. Is there anything I can get you? Well, I'll take a Coke. How about some nachos? Sure. And ice cream. Caleb came home. I think middle of the night he threw up because he had ate so much stuff. But he had access. They were going to sit up in the cheap seats. Instead, they were sitting right behind home where they could hear the pop of the ball in the glove. They could, they could hear the conversation between the catcher and the umpire. Uh, they heard words that they weren't supposed to hear and, you know, all that. They, they were right on the field. And they had all the food. They, instead of quick trip, cold quick trip hot dogs, they were eating wonderful food because they had access. Paul, Paul tells us that the result of who we are now holy temple in the Lord, and in him you who are being built together to become a dwelling place in God, which lives by his spirit. Who do we belong to? We belong to the Lord. Max Lucado, in his book, When God Whispers Your Name, tells this story. He said, my wife loves antiques, and I don't. But because I love my wife, I occasionally find myself guiding three children through an antique store while she shops. The secret to survival in a shop of relics is to find a chair, an old book, and settle down for the long haul. That's what I did yesterday. After cautioning the kids to look with their eyes and not with their hands, I sat down in an overstuffed rocker with some life magazines from the 50s. That's when I heard the music. Piano music. Beautiful music. Vintage Rogers and Hammerstein. The hills were alive with the sound of someone's skill at the keyboard. I turned to see who was playing, but couldn't see anyone. I stood and walked closer. A small group of people had, uh, had gathered uh, uh, around. Between the furniture, all I could see was a small of the back of, of the pianist, and, and they were little. Why, it's only a child. With a few more steps, I could see her hair, short, blonde, and cute like, oh my heart, it's Andrea. It's my seven-year-old daughter at the piano, her hands racing up and down the keyboard. I was stunned. What gift of heaven is that, of this is that she can play this way? Must be a time-release gene she got from my side of the family. But as I drew closer, I saw the real reason Andrea was playing the piano. She was playing a player piano. 
She wasn't making the music. She was following it. She wasn't commanding the keyboard. She was trying to keep up with it. Though it appeared she was playing the song, in reality, she was only trying to keep up with the one already written. When a key would dip, her hands would dash. But oh, if you could have seen her little face, delighted with laughter, eyes dancing as her feet would have had she been able to stand and play at the same time. I could see why she was so happy. She sat down to attempt chopsticks, but instead played the sound of music. What's more, catch this, what's more, she couldn't fail. One greater than she was dictating the sound. Andrea was free to play as much as she wanted, knowing the music would never suffer. It's no wonder she rejoiced. She had every reason to, and so do we. Hasn't the God of heaven, haven't we seen it in Ephesians already, the God of heaven promised to treat us as his children? Haven't we seen that, that when he looks at us, he sees holy and blameless? We, we may buy into the, the lies of Satan and we see failure and we see regret and we see heartache and we see pain and we see disappointment. But God sees holy and blameless, forgiven, child, heir to the promise. The reality is we can't fail. Remember, remember who we were. Not so that we drudge up the past and it brings pain, but to remember who we were in contrast of where we are now. What God has done in our life and what God has given us through his forgiveness and the grace that he offers us. And remember who we belong to, whose we are. We belong to the Master, to the King. God is calling you. He's called you to be a part of the family. You, you once didn't belong. He told the church at Ephesus. You, you, were, you were called names, the uncircumcised. You didn't belong, but now you do. I don't know, I don't know your stories. I don't know your past. I don't know the, the sin and the shame and the pain that is shackled to you that Satan wants to keep you holding on to, to hold you back. But I know God wants you to, to let it go and instead to accept his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy and to understand that in him you are holy and blameless in his sight. Let's pray. Father, we... We oftentimes are, are dragged down by, by law, uh, lies of Satan that tell us that we're failures, that, uh, that we don't measure up, that you couldn't love us. But, but the reality is, Father, you want us to remember who we were only in the context of where you've taken us and where you've brought us and what you made us to be. We're not failures. Instead, we're saints in your eyes. We're holy and blameless. We're forgiven. We're covered by the blood of your son, Jesus. Father, today I would pray that you would heal hearts. If there's someone here today who's not been able to get past their story, if they look at their past and, it, and, and, and they remember and it brings pain and heartache, Father, release them from that. Help them remember that it's not who they were, but who they are now because they belong to you. Father, we're here today and all of us find ourselves as sinners simply in need of your grace. And Father, we thank you that you offer it in Jesus' name.
Amen. If you're here this morning and you need a decision or share a decision with the congregation, maybe you're here today and you need to share your story. Maybe no one here knows your story. No one here knows the pain of your past and you for the first time need to say, you know what? This is who I was, and this is the pain that I've been holding on to and struggling with. Can you help me through it? Maybe you're here today and you simply just need someone to pray for you. We'd invite you to come up. Elders will be glad to lay their hands on you and pray for you and and offer you uh, support and encouragement and strength. If you're here today and you need something, just come on up as we stand and sing.